Well, good morning. My name is Dwayne. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries, a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Today is August the 20th. I hope you and yours are doing well. We are continuing to work our way through the book of, Re of Revelation. That's another one. Uh, the book of Acts. And we are we just recently broke into Acts chapter number 16. And just for a little bit of review, here we see that uh, Paul and Silas came to Derby and Lystra. And there was a certain disciple there uh, named Timotheus. He was the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish and believed, but his father was a, was a Greek, uh, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. And as we mentioned earlier, this Paul probably met with Timothy and his family on his first missionary journey. Um, and of course, um, this is Timothy, who he would write the epistles of First and Second Timothy to. Uh, his mother was a Jew. Uh, his father was a Gentile. And in verse number three, him would Paul have gone forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews, which were in those quarters, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And of course, uh, Paul decided to take Timothy along with uh, he and Silas. And decided that since Paul, since Timothy was a Jew on his mother's side, he needed to be circumcised. And again, the entire point of that, it almost seems like a contradiction because we just wrapped up the Jerusalem Council in Acts number 15 where they said they don't have to be circumcised. But understand, they that didn't need to be circumcised were Gentiles. Timothy here, his mother was a Jew. So Paul felt that it would be a hindrance if this half-Jewish man that he's taken with him was not circumcised. Again, I become all things to all men that I might win some. He just did not want it to be an impediment, a, uh, a hindrance to their ministry as they took young Timothy along with them. And then notice, and so let's get over in our scripture here. Uh, and as they went through the cities, they delivered... Then the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and the elders that were at Jerusalem, and so were the church established and the faith increased in number daily. Uh, again, we see here, they're, as they're moving along, they're sharing the decision that had been made in Jerusalem in regards to the Gentiles coming under the law. Uh, and obviously, it seems to me here, it's apparent that they're speaking both the Jewish and uh, Gentile believers, and they're sharing here that the Gentiles do not need to be circumcised, as was determined by the Jerusalem Council. Uh, and understand, we still have a healthy mixture here of kingdom and grace believers moving about together. You know, I, I was listening, you know, I, I listen to teaching just like you do, and, you know, it's just today we just kind of preach through it, and we just talk about, you know, they were just believers. It was just the gospel, but it's just very hard. It's it's impossible to read through the book of Acts and not understand and not come to grips with the fact that there were two distinct set of people. They were Jews under the kingdom gospel that came through the preaching of the apostles, and there were Gentiles and Jews um, who responded to the grace gospel under the teaching of Paul. Again, we've established that the book of Acts is a book of transition and needs to be viewed as such, or it will cause a lot of confusion. Now, look in verse number six, and this is new territory today. Uh, 
this is commonly referred to as the Macedonian call. I used to sing that song as a young lad in church. Now, uh, notice when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And in a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia, and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately he endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to for to preach the gospel unto them. So notice it says that when they had gone throughout Phrygia in the region of Galatia, the Holy Spirit uh, forbid them to preach in Asia. The Asia referred to here would have been the province of Asia, um, which included um, the churches of Revelation, for example, uh, Ephesus, Smyrna, Thyatira, Laodicea, Philadelphia. Instead, the Spirit directs them toward Europe or Greece. Uh, and this is commonly referred to as the Macedonian call. Um, now, the gospel would later go to those churches in the province of Asia, but for the moment, the Holy Spirit, for some reason, felt it was more urgent that Paul and Silas and Timothy here make their way into Macedonia. Um, so they are starting to push west, uh, and this journey would take them uh, to Troas, to Philippi, to Thessalonica, to Berea, to Athens, and to Corinth. Um, so the Holy Spirit just decided timing. You know, I'm sure God loves the people in the province of Asia, but right now, Paul, I want you to go into Europe with the gospel message. Now, notice in verse number 11, Therefore, Loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia. Samothracia, I tend to want to pronounce things in Spanish. <laughs> Samothracia. And the next day to Neapolis. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And the Sabbath, and on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and we spake to the women which resorted thither. Historically, Philippi was a Roman outpost. Um, also, historically, I read there was a lot of retired uh, Roman military people here as well. And it was the Sabbath day, and understand when they talk about the Sabbath day, they're still referring to Saturday, uh, they go down to the riverside where prayers were being made by a group of women. Now, why would they do this? Well, obviously, there was not a synagogue in the city, um, in this small outpost, if you will. Um, historically, there had to be at least 10 men in the city in order for there to be an established synagogue, and apparently there was not. So this definitely tells you this is Gentile, and these women are most likely Jewish, 
you know, why would Gentile women do this? But, you know, the text doesn't say uh, what these women are, but we're assuming that they were Jewish. And, of course, we've been talking all along. We need to watch it with, with our assumptions because we can, we can assume all day long and be wrong. Um, so they go down to the river. These women are down there praying. And notice it says, And a certain woman named Lydia a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken by Paul. So as Paul began to share with this group of women, this lady from Thyatira by the name of Lydia, she took notice. And then it says in verse 15, And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. What I see here is that in Paul's early ministry, baptism still played an important role because it was expected. Now, as he gains further revelation, he moves away from it. And understand, at this point, Paul had not written any of his epistles. Uh, his first epistle, I think, is Galatians, which would have been penned around 58. Um, so baptism, especially here with this this woman, uh, it, it took place after she believed. Now, when I say that Paul had not written any of his epistles, to me, there's something obviously taking place in the life of Paul. There is no doubt that Paul is still having revelations, ongoing revelations as he goes. And that is when he begins to pin his epistles. For example, in Second Corinthians 12, 1, it is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come to visions, plural, and revelations, plural, of the Lord. In other words, the Lord is slowly revealing this, these things to Paul. In 2 Corinthians 12 and verse number 7, it says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations. So there's obviously a plurality of revelations that was given unto me a thorn in the flesh. It is hard to conclude that he received everything that he needed to know at one time. It, to me, it's pretty obvious that when Paul did receive um, the mystery um, in regards to um, the body of Christ, it was not in totality. It was not complete. Um For example, um, he most likely did not understand the totality or the postponement of the kingdom. Because um, if you look at Paul's preaching, he is still moving on the concept that there's a coming kingdom, a near kingdom, and um, 
So I believe that Paul did not receive everything at one time. So as we're moving along, Paul is coming to revelations and two visions. Um, I believe this is why he still moved in both Gospels. Um, he still felt comfortable with the Gospel of the Kingdom and the Gospel of Grace because ultimately they would culminate with the second coming of Christ. Now, as to the timing, I, I don't think Paul understood that. You know, we'll get over into First, Second Thessalonians eventually, and you'll see there uh, that there's some issues. And again, I, you know, there's nothing in the Bible that says, well, Paul didn't understand this at this time. But as we spoke of earlier in the previous chapter, when Paul talked about the coming tribulation and the second coming, um, we determined that he was probably speaking to Jews when he said that. But why would he say that if he didn't believe that there was a coming tribulation and kingdom? And there will be a coming tribulation and kingdom. But now whether or not Paul felt that that would be imminent in his lifetime, or if Paul totally understood that it was going to be something that was postponed into the future, we're not told. I think those things came to Paul by revelation. And Paul, in other words, Paul understood more and more every day. And I think the same thing would be in regards to baptism here. I mean, it says the woman believed and was baptized. And that's the, the thing we need to take away from this, is that the woman believed first, and then she was baptized. That repentance and baptism, baptism was, this was, it wasn't required for salvation. She believed and was saved and then was baptized. So that's what we need to walk away with. And many say that she was the first convert in Europe. Uh, I believe, personally, that Lydia had apparently um, both believed the kingdom and the grace gospel simply by the fact that she was already praying, she was already down by the river when Paul came upon her. But again, there's not enough in the text here to reach that conclusion. I, I don't know. All I know is that at this unique time in history, both programs are running parallel and would continue to run parallel, I believe, until the death of the last apostle uh, when it was no longer preached, and that would have been John. It was no longer preached. But again, there's, there's simply not enough there for us to, to, uh, to draw any dogmatic conclusions. Again, remember, this is a time of transition, and it is difficult. And I think that's why people just, it's the same thing. It's the same gospel. It's the same, it's the same program. No, it's not. There's just, if you're, if you're honest with the text, I even go back and read commentators like J. Vernon McGee. You remember J. Vernon McGee, get on the Bible bus. And even he, uh, a Presbyterian, um, many years, you start preaching, he distinguishes between this kingdom gospel, and the, the mystery. He makes a distinction, distinction between them. Classical dispensationalists do that. They make a distinction, but they never go as far as to say um, 
there was a transition taking place here. There was a transition from Jerusalem to Antioch. They just kind of gloss it over like the church of Jerusalem, church of Antioch were the same. Peter and Paul were preaching the same gospel going the same way. Uh, the gospel of the, the kingdom is the same thing as the gospel of grace. And that's the difference where people like myself, who would be called mid-Acts uh, dispensationalists, will say, no, there's obviously a difference. Now, unfortunately, when you share that with people, they almost look at you like you're a heretic. I, we're not contradicting anything. We're just disagreeing uh, in regards to when the church started. We are differentiating between what God was doing with the Jew in regards to the offer of the kingdom and what God did with Paul in taking um, the gospel to the Gentiles. All we're doing is drawing a little a harder line of division. And that's why we are accused many times of being hyper-dispensational. In other words, we're, we're magnifying it too much. Well, I mean, I... For the past year and a half, I've found it very difficult not to magnify it too much. Totally different programs. Totally different programs. You cannot convolute what God was doing among the Jews with what through the apostles and what God was doing through the Apostle Paul. And that's what we've been content to do today. And that's why we have so many schisms and isms and denominations because everybody goes back, I believe, to a misinterpretation of the first several books of the book of Acts, the first several chapters of the book of Acts. And that's why we've got all kinds of denominations that are going a million different ways because they are confusing Israel's prophetic program with the body of Christ. And if you don't believe that, you know, just listen to them start talking. I used to do it. You know, start calling us, the church, the bride of Christ. You can't find that anywhere in the New Testament. Okay? The only reason they're arriving at that is that they have made an assumption that the church is now a part of Israel's prophetic program. The bride of Christ is Israel. It is not the body of Christ. So, But you study those things for yourself, and um, hope you have a great day. And uh, remember, always God loves you, wants the best for you. It's working all things out for your good.